Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Take talk with you anywhere. On your computer or smartphone, log on to talk1370.com. A beautiful, beautiful sight. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right choice. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. There is a weird movement growing around the country. It's a movement of removing Confederate or so-called white supremacy statues. This is dividing the country in a very dangerous way. Listen to this clip. Mob rule is coming to America. Violent clashes erupted between Unite the Right protesters and so-called anti-fascist counter-protesters at the foot of a General Robert E. Lee statue designated for removal in Charlottesville, Virginia. An Ohio man associated with the white nationalist marchers rammed his car through a wave of people. He struck and killed 32-year-old Heather Heyer and has been charged with second-degree murder. I was in Charlottesville this weekend and had the chance to talk to some of the people living in and around the city. As a thunderstorm rolled in on Saturday evening, a waitress at a restaurant I ate at said, let's hope this washes the day away. A local gas station attendant told my wife, these people from out of town, Nazis, Black Lives Matter, they're all hate groups to me. The overwhelming feeling I got was that the rioters who had descended upon their city didn't represent the community. What happened in this quaint Central Virginia town was ugly and shocking but clearly wasn't the end of civil discord rocking American cities. Following the Charlottesville protests, a gathering of left-wing agitators marched down the streets of Durham, North Carolina to the county courthouse. The angry mass turned its fury on a Confederate statue dedicated to the boys who wore gray. They toppled the monument, cursing, spitting, and kicking the century-old bronze visage of a Southern soldier, which lay crumpled on the ground. These were ugly scenes reminiscent of the French Revolution or the war in Iraq, but ones that will become increasingly common if tribal politics continue unchecked in this country. While many are calling for the removal of Confederate monuments en masse after these events, it must be remembered that American heroes like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington will also be put under the microscope and designated for destruction. This week it's Robert E. Lee, 
I notice that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? This has already happened. In 2016, students protested references to Thomas Jefferson at the University of Virginia, the school he founded, because he had owned slaves. Of course, Jefferson is the author of the Declaration of Independence, whose ideas led to slavery being expelled from this nation forever. That didn't matter. Jefferson was politically incorrect and needed to be purged. Another protest gathered at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, demanding that a statue of racist Theodore Roosevelt be removed. The question is, where does this all end? It would be a mistake to give in to those who want to erase American history or the thugs who want to promote lawlessness and sheer tribalism. American towns and cities are now increasingly being besieged by agitators who flaunt the law, direct their hate toward fellow citizens, and openly attack the critical principles at the heart of the American way of life. The narrative is increasingly, join us or be crushed. Abraham Lincoln once said that mob rule, if left unchecked, will continue to build step by step till all the walls erected for the defense of the persons and property of individuals are trodden down and disregarded. America's history is worth remembering and even celebrating. As Ronald Reagan said in his farewell address, it is important for informed patriots to stand up for the ideas that have made America great. Our history shouldn't be buried because a few evil men have twisted it to serve their causes. Nor should mob rule be allowed to fester and plunge communities into chaos. Instead of letting the powers that be divide us, we should agree to disagree without being disagreeable. If you remove a Robert E. Lee statue today, what stops the other side of your debate from removing a Dr. Martin Luther King statue tomorrow? This is all history, and we should remember history because if we don't, we will repeat it. And I, for one, do not want to have a civil war. City governments around this country are violating your rights on a daily basis and are going as far as to even poison you. And instead of you fight each other, you shouldn't fight each other. We need to stand and fight against our government. Let's take a look at fluoride, which is a, a neurotoxin to the brain. Do you know that it was used by Nazi Germany in the ghettos where Jews inhabit it because it causes these things here? Now check this out. Fluoride, it lowers your IQ. That's in your water here in Austin, Texas. Fluoride may contribute to Alzheimer's. You're drinking that right now. Fluoride increases the risk of low thyroid. Fluoride causes nervous system degeneration. Fluoride impairs penile gland function. Fluoride linked to ADHD. And fluoride is found in antidepressants and causes depression. Instead of you fighting each other about these little things about a statue, we need to stand together. There are things right now that are happening at Austin City Hall. There are things that are happening at the Texas Capitol. There are things that are happening in Washington, D.C. Do not let the powers that be divide us. We need to stand together as one. Fluoride is a toxic substance often added to toothpaste and water supplies with the intent of building health, healthy teeth. However, fluoride is not necessary for healthy teeth, and most countries do not add fluoride to their water supplies, but we do. In fact, fluoride is known 
as a neurotoxin that directly and indirectly affects the health and function of your brain. Got to stand together, people. This is happening right now. This is in your water, water supply right now in Austin, Texas. You're drinking that. And it's causing these things here, and you do nothing. Instead, you sit and argue and fight with each other over these trivial things. I guarantee you, you know someone that has cancer. You know someone that has ADHD. You know someone that's suffering from depression. And you do nothing. It's time to stand up. Wake up. This is your wake-up call. All right, so we have in the studio today Atomic Athlete. We're going to get back to firearms now. Talk about guns. You're going to learn today. All right, so we're, we have Atomic Athlete in the studio, and they're going to tell us about this company and what's going on, what they do, and all that stuff, because you gotta, you, you, you got to learn. you got to get trained. You, you, it takes a little more than just getting that handgun license. can't just get the license and say, okay, that's it. I don't need to do anything else because that handgun license course is not designed to teach you how to shoot. It's not designed. It's only designed to evaluate your proficiency. That's it. So you got to do a little more. You got to practice. And there's a talk that I gave uh, in Georgia over the week, uh, this last week here. I went to a couple different gun stores, and I, I nicknamed that talk 15 seconds. 15 seconds. In 15 seconds, your life can change forever. Are you prepared to defend yourself within 15 seconds? Because that's all it takes. That's all it took. My parents to wake up in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, see this guy crawling through their window on the second floor of their home, and in 15 seconds, they shot him in the face and stopped him. And that changed their life forever. For nine months, they had to wonder whether or not the DA was going to try them. They had to wonder whether or not they were going to have a civil suit to deal with for nine months. So 15 seconds can change your life. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you ready for what's out there? So let me bring into the mic Atomic Athlete. So let's step up. Uh, Jake. Jake is the owner and coach. Jake, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me here. Outstanding. So, Jake, tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you come about to starting up this company, Atomic Athlete? I was born down in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Spent most of my life here. I went out to California for about seven years and came back uh, oh, high school. California yeah. implant. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was more one. like here we go. Seven, seven. <laughs> I was age seven to fourteen, so I was just a kid running around out there. So I didn't get influenced too much. Uh, but uh, got back, went to Texas here, just outside of Austin, and um, you know, being a Texan, always really, and being a young man, I guess, always been really interested in firearms training. You know, I used to love Rambo, Terminator, all that stuff. Uh, out of high school, ended up going in the Army. Uh, spent four years over at JSOC. And, nice. And uh, Ranger Regiment. And uh, got out, I guess it was uh, just after 9-11, after a deployment. And then... Where's JSOC at? Uh, Joint Special Operations Command. I know where? Uh, Bragg. Okay, yeah. all right. But they, they basically run all the different organizations right. that are part of it. So I was stationed in Benning at 3rd Ranger Battalion. Uh, For a little... How long were you, what year were you at Benning? 98 to 02. Okay, I missed you. I was there at... Um, I was at... Four, I wasn't at... 7th and 5th Ranger Regiment, but I was um, at Fort Benning in 1990, I think from 89 until 90, 92. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So did the college thing, GI Bill afterwards, when I got a degree in business. Uh, when I got done with school, I definitely did not want to go into the business world. Uh, and as I was kind of pursuing different careers, you know, one of the things I noticed is everything required experience. Nice. And 
training has always been a passion of mine, more in the physical fitness realm. And so I started training people. And I guess that was about 2008. And since then have been doing it pretty much full time and established uh, our founded Atomic Athlete in 2009. And now we have a big facility over on Congress and Ben White. We do a lot of work still with the military. You know, we go to Fort Bragg, work with uh, a lot of the SF guys out there, train recreational, combative, uh, endurance athletes all here locally. Right, because you know the the LTC class. That's just that's nothing. That's understanding the laws. That's yeah. that does not prepare you to really defend yourself. Exactly, and so you know, like the main thing at the gym right now is physical fitness. You know? Right, and and uh, a good friend of mine, you know, Sergeant Major Chuck Ritter, he says that physical fitness is the cornerstone of the warrior profession, and and ultimately, you know, I consider myself a warrior, just like a lot of other uh, athletes out there, and that's just the first step. You know, being physically fit is only part of the equation. Then you need the skills. And, and that's kind of now where we're starting to diversify uh, the services we offer and do handgun training, self-defense, uh, medical skills. Because, uh, I mean, good example is you can be really fit, and that's the first step in the right direction. But if you've ever grappled with anyone who has any kind of experience in Brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling or MMA, uh, very quickly they can neutralize that strength and conditioning just through pure technique and skill. And then uh, – and. So you guys are actually starting to transition now and, and add firearms to the mix. Yeah, we've done that. We started about three years ago with an event, and it was actually funny why we started doing firearms. We all shot recreationally, and I sat down with my accountant one year, and she goes, she goes, what's this expense category right here? And, uh, and I had and previously got paid working with the military and doing something called range fitness. So it was basically the ability to train marksmanship under physical stress. So I was doing that for a couple of years with a company called Military Athlete. And so I was getting income so I could technically expend stuff. And she's like, you need to have an event that involves firearms. Mm. So then we started basically out at Redley Peak Ranch, Vaughn Montgomery's Ranch out in Burnett. We started doing this like weekend-long man camp. So there's combatives, there's butchery, um, hand-to-hand repelling, rifle skills, pistol skills, edge weapon skills. And so we started doing that, and we realized that there was a really big demand for this. A lot of uh, men these days they don't get the opportunity to train a lot of these activities. They're not, maybe not exposed to it as well. So through that kind of channel, the Vanguard, we basically opened up to a new market where uh, I got with Alex here. We kind of formed a, a sub-company called the Atomic Legion. And that's really what the focus is, is building like a base level set of skills that complement each other. And those four skills are uh, marksmanship, uh, medical training, hand-to-hand, and medical. All right, we're talking with Atomic Athlete. We're talking with Jake Sines, and we're talking about hand-to-hand combat. We're talking about using those skills. We're talking about using a firearm. You know what? Me, I just grab a handful of nuts, but he's going to tell you a little more than that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Get breaking news, exclusive contests, and more delivered right to your inbox. I like knowing things. Join the Right Choice Club at Talk1370.com and you'll be in the know. Just go to Talk1370.com and click on the Right Choice Club from Talk 1370. The Right Choice. Sound off on the news of the day with the Talk Poll. Online at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370. The Right Choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with Atomic Athlete. 
We're talking with Jake Sines. He's the owner of Atomic Athlete. We're talking about firearms. We're talking about being prepared. We're talking about, I, I need to know, what is this concept of volume versus intensity? You know, because I, I can think of what that is, and I'm, you know, if I want to measure my stuff. <laughs> you know, I want you to tell me what is your, what is volume versus intensity. Well, when it would actually be measuring your stuff, it'd be measuring what you could do with your stuff. So, <laughs> uh, so the idea of volume intensity is a principle that we use in the gym, and uh, for volume is uh, to put it in simple terms is uh, how many reps, um, how many sets, uh, how far to go, how long you're going to run. Okay, so volume is a, a term either in duration or repetitions. Intensity is going to be how hard or how fast or how little rest is recovered. So those two principles kind of drive behind the idea of training and more importantly, structured training. So a lot of people, the biggest question we get, like, oh, you guys like CrossFit. And I was like, yeah, no, not really. We're actually on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, even though when you walk in the facility, you're going to see kettlebells, you're going to see sandbags, barbells, mats, open gym space. Um, you'll see Brazilian jiu-jitsu mats in the corner. Uh, you'll see all kinds of stuff. But it's not the same because uh, the biggest emphasis of CrossFit is random workouts to always create confusion within the muscles. And ours is the complete opposite. Ours is very, very structured. Everything we do has a purpose. Um, the session builds upon the previous one. We use principles of uh, progression, periodization. Uh, all our sessions are very, very structured and have uh, intent behind every single thing we do. So it's the complete opposite uh, by definition. All right, so I, I tell people, you know, I'm standing at the line there, and they're having, you know, problems shooting. So I say, you know, just, you know, pull back nice and slow. You know, just put your finger on the trigger and pull back real slow. And I'll get people there, and they're just, they're just like, pow, pow. They just want to pull real <laughs> yeah. fast, right? I said, look here, you know, your girlfriend, she doesn't like it slow. She she doesn't like it fast. She likes it real slow. Yeah. So go real slow. Yeah, it's funny you use an analogy because I use, I use things like that a lot in the gym. A lot, I mean, most of the, the cues that really make sense to me, I can't tell to a woman. I, I just can't, you know. Oh, though, you need to they hang with me be. in the range a little more. <laughs> yeah. they would be. Oh, I, I got some stuff. I, I, I get there and I'll say, look here. Okay. Um, okay. See, your, your boyfriend... It, See, he's sitting there trying to give you commands and stuff like that. So he, you belong to me right now. Mm -hmm. You don't belong to him. So you're all mine right now. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> I think the, the range is kind of like the gym where uh, no matter the skill level, like the husband or boyfriend's always trying to always be the coach. And it's like, hey, you're in the gym right now. Like, you're not a coach. Like, there's a coach here for a reason. Uh, but it's like just inherently in us. Even time, if I'm dance lessons with my girl, I'm trying to be like, oh, no, no, you're doing it wrong. And it's that's just the nature, I think, of a man. So tell me, uh, what do you guys do from the beginning? If I want to walk into Atomic Athlete and I want to, you know, I want to do something with my, my firearm and stay in shape, mm -hmm. what would you suggest? Where do we start? Well, you know, initially it's a, so it's actually kind of two, two things going on. We use the term Atomic as an umbrella, um, where the gym is a, a structured training facility. It's, uh, you're coming in and you're primarily looking for fitness. But there's also this community around that that involves combatives and, uh, and now weapons and marksmanship. Okay. And then that's when I brought in Alex, basically, is that we had a shared passion with, uh, we wanted to apply the same concepts that we use in the gym. Like, hey, this is why we're doing this drill and this is how many times we're going to do it. Like, hey, what, what intensity am I going to run this drill at? Am I running at max speed? Am I going to run it at a perfect speed? shooting at this very small target. And so we started taking that framework that we use for physical fitness programming, and now we're starting to apply it to training marksmanship, which I have yet to encounter in my experience. I mean, some guys have, you know, better training protocols than other Paul Howe out in Nagadochus, you know, guys like that, they have shooting standards. They have like, hey, this is how we train, why we train, but then coming up with more of a comprehensive step-by-step -step approach 
um, for firearms training and starting with the base level. So like, I mean, right now we're not, we're not in a position where we're going to train high level shooters. You know, uh, we're taking the guys who have no clue what they're doing and providing like very structured step-by-step approach to learning how to become proficient with that tool. So you need already know what you're doing. No, no, the complete opposite. Okay, okay. we're we're kind of the, the the square one guys. Now you're talking about the running gun we had the other day. You have to know what you're doing. Like we had right. one guy show up to this event. And he's like, I've never shot a gun. Oh and no, it was like I was like, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what we're trying to do is take the same thing that's been successful in the gym and apply it to firearms, and also start to apply it to combatives. You know, so like a, I practice Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he has as well is, you know, typically you show up, you warm up, you learn a few drills, and then you battle royale for 30 minutes, right? This is the mindset. It's how a lot of guys have trained. When they become instructors, that's how they train. But to me, there seems like a big gap in that instructional methodology. It needs to be a little more structured to it, where this is, we're going to learn A, B, and C, and we're going to practice it and drill it repetitively until it becomes subconscious, until you know that as soon as, you know, someone puts a triangle on you, this is exactly where you roll into. Um, And taking that further, also understanding the mechanics behind, you know, what are these concepts that we're trying to relay to these new shooters? So and this not- is this is Alex. Alex, uh, what's your last name? Acosta. Okay. And see, Alex, is uh, he's like a trust fund baby. You know, but he, <laughs> he's actually one of those trust fund babies that actually work and, you know, and, and know what hard work is all about. But mm-hmm. go ahead, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. <laughs> but you know, like, like, like Jake was saying, it's how do you, how do you take these, these concepts and teach them to new shooters in such a way that you're not, merely teaching technique right you know the goal became how do we come how do we codify the concept how do we codify the thinking behind here's what we're going to teach you how to do so that you actually learn how to you know essentially adapt the system to yourself right because everyone thinks a different way everyone has patterned their movements a specific way so you know the mechanics behind the performance the question became how do we unwind that and and you know develop this system to where we can take you know someone with zero experience and have them shooting you know very very proficiently from a static standpoint, you know, in a matter of hours. And then how do we take that, you know, intermediate shooter and really refine and focus on how we can fine tune uh, their performance so that they're, you know, more, more effective and capable uh, downrange. Yeah. Cause I, you know, we can only get people so far, you know, we'll get you so far. And then I say, okay, I, I can't do anything else with you. You need to go somewhere else. And that's where I'll turn to you guys and say, okay, you need to take them over from here. Yeah. Well, the, know, LT- the LTC is just like yeah. laws, you know, right. like this is right. when and when you're not supposed to use your firearm. And everyone has this like misconception of like, I'm going to go to the LTC and I'm going to learn how to shoot. And it's like, no, that's not what it's there for. Right. right. And, and we've, uh, we've kind of run into that where time and time again, you know, cause we have range days for the gym. Like all the athletes come out and it's actually really, really stressful because you got a lot of people with ar-15s and pistols who have no clue what they're doing and it's like they're pointing them everywhere man it's like it like fingers all on the trigger it is um, i can't use the word i want to use but uh, <laughs> please don't it is, uh, <laughs> you're it doing is, good so far yeah though. i've been working on it it's um but it's a mess to say the least so uh and time and time again people would approach us and be like hey like I want to go to the range with you. And it's like, well, I would love you to come to the range with me, but that's going to interfere with my personal training. So if I go out to the range for an hour, hour and a half, like I have a specific thing that I'm going to work on, whatever it may be that day. And if you come out and you don't know how to properly grip your firearm, then now I'm falling into that instructor role. And so that was kind of the big reason we like, hey, let's, let's, let's start providing, filling in that gap right now of like, I bought a handgun, I'm allowed to carry it. And then filling in the void before you start going to the two-day tack pistol courses. <laughs> you know, like you, you don't need to show up to you know, a Travis Haley D3 pistol class if you've never, like, actually had any instruction. Like, it's most of it's going to go right over your head. So we're, we're kind of in that 
I guess, a spot right now where it's like, as soon as you get the gun, like, this is how you properly use it. Here's exposure to equipment, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it became, the, it, it really became a challenge unto itself, right? Because, you know, Jake and I both being you know, competent shooters, it's, it's how do we, how do we develop the language behind, I'm going to, going to now teach someone else but make it make it universal right to where it's not applying to just a single person it's uh the framework for again those concepts and those skills would apply to anyone so you know what i did is i took three 13 athletes from the gym uh that had never shot before had very little experience and i ran them through a six week you know one hour per per weekend uh you know iterating through those through those skills and it was more of a test for me to see uh, do, does does the the idea do the ideas I have behind how I think uh, you know individuals are thinking about performance with a, with a handgun? Do, does it actually work? Does it actually translate? And uh, what what I found is that you know when you do find that common language that everyone can understand to where again, like I was saying, they're developing that system that's kind of personalized to themselves. They they begin to produce that performance downrange quicker because they're now thinking about and are aware about what they're doing, right? It's not that Alex told me or Jake told me, this is how I have to do it and this is the one way it has to be done. It's I know what I should be feeling, what I should be seeing to create that result downrange. So that's, that's again, you know, that's been our challenge. Now, uh, Alex, tell me a little bit about your background and how did you get into doing this? Sure, so uh, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Um, you know, my parents, I never never had a firearm in the house. Uh, had you know, a lot of family on my mother's side who has uh, property down south, and you know they just hunting families, right? I told you it was a trust fund, baby. <laughs> and, tell, tell me where the ranch is at. Uh, yeah, de- ranch is down uh, close to the King Ranch, and it's on the, on the King, King Ranch. Ranch. See, I told you it was a trust well, fund, baby. <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I always used to go to my, my uncles, and he, you know, always used to take me out and shooting. Right, I shot my first deer when I was uh, ten years old, and you know, kind of ever since then. It's like I, I, I wanted to take it up myself, but my parents thought that people that own farms are crazy. Uh, so when I turned 16, the day the day that I turned 16, I uh, went to Gander Mountain and bought myself a Savage uh, one, Model 116, uh, .30-06. Uh, came home, and my dad thought I'd lost my mind. Like, my mom thought that her son was gone forever, like, that I was a criminal, and all this wild stuff that, you know, had happened. And, you know, about two weeks later, I'd, I'd been going to American Shooting Centers there in Houston, uh, met, a, met a gentleman who would later become and continues to be a very close mentor of mine. Uh, he was Army Special Forces uh, and kind of directed the path of my life towards wanting to uh, go into a you know a government career, specifically intelligence. Um, and so I was groomed by him for, you know, through through college, uh, and I continue to be rather. Uh, but he he introduced really the, the mindset of the warrior, the mindset of the person who's aware of their surroundings. Uh, he kind of imbued all that knowledge upon me uh, and kind of going back to you know my parents thinking I'm nuts, uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't a you know a month after I purchased my rifle that I brought my father out. He met this gentleman and you know all that all his friends and everyone else there at the range and what he soon found out were these were the best people that he'd ever met. Like a lot of these individuals now are uh, some of his best friends and some of the best friends he's ever ha- ever had. Uh, but it's really again just that. The, the framework within how people think and how you develop these ideologies of you know who people are and how people associate. So you know I had the, the, this 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 idea that you know I carried a firearm. I wanted to be in charge of you know my own safety and the, the safety of the people I cared about. 
But if I asked myself the question, would I want to come save myself? Like the answer was a resounding no. Like I was unprepared for, for any kind of event to actually happen, right? It was all, it was all ego driven. Like I had this hero mentality that I'd be able to perform under stress, having never been tested under stress. Uh, and that's when I really took a, seat, a, a step back and I began to assess all these skill gaps. And most people, whenever some, something starts happening, they actually freeze. Yeah. You know, people oh. just totally freeze. They, they don't know what to do, what, you know, yeah. where to go or anything. They've, ne they've never been inoculated under any, you know, that kind of stress. You, you have this idea that you think you're going to be able to perform, yeah. uh, but when the reality, you know, meets you head on. Now, do you guys do anything where you're doing live, live fire, you know, where you're firing rounds right next to the students? So... Right now, no. I mean, we do that in our own training environment, and a lot of times, we, as Alex said, he wasn't prepared, right, at this point. Um, one of the other gym owners the other day, you know, he's always been around, but he's he's not really super involved in the firearms community and training. He doesn't carry, for example, and uh, and we threw him under the bus one day. We were out at Troy's Range where you do the LTC, the old word, and uh, we shot two shots on the ground immediately, and we're like, gunshot wound in the leg, Go. And he totally Do you ever do anything up. where you guys, like, shoot something, like, you know, like, right next to your head at the ground? No. no. Why, why, would you do that? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Just yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. This yeah. stupid moron in the video on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook videos? Yeah, yeah, dude, running up behind these idiots and pop, 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 pop. Yeah. yeah. You're a freaking moron, dude. You're going to end up shooting some... What if he shoots into the ground and hits a rock and ricochets and nails one of his dudes right in the face? Yeah, that that's gonna be a bad day for you, buddy. Yeah, because he's actually shooting rounds like right next. Yeah, to Yeah, like head. like within a couple of feet to yeah. the head. Yeah, that's insane. Well, and that brings up something else that you know a lot of a lot of what you find out there being like on Facebook, for example, is <laughs> is what I call like a Disneyland type experience where individuals are showing up to this thing that's gonna last maybe a day or two. And they just want, they want a story to be able to go back and tell all their friends, to put on Instagram, to you know, post on Facebook. But at the end of the day, if they take a critical look at and assess what, what knowledge am I actually leaving with here, right? The answer is probably zero. I had a great time. Like, it was fantastic. I got my money's worth. But what did I actually learn? Uh, so it's, separ it's separating everything that, you know, you, you put into that Disneyland category and you say, okay, how, how can we stress you? in a realistic manner to where we're actually, you know, showing you how you're going to respond at your current, you know, skill level, right? Yeah. Uh, and that goes into things like use of force and force on force, where there are very real realistic ways to simulate this, but it all comes back to what is the assessment after the event, right? If you're, if you're just having fun and you're having a great time, then it's, you know, what I call a theme park experience. Yep. But at the end of the day, you really have to look at what am I taking home and why am I here? Yeah, well, like I did a I did a live shoot scenario thing um, out at Best of the West, mm -hmm. and uh, it and he said fifteen seconds, and you're a liar, dude. I can pull up the video right now, and it'll show you seven seconds, <laughs> and I've already laid eight rounds into the dude, and he's on the ground. Is that the one with the mirrors? Yeah, with yeah. the mirrors, yeah, and yeah, actually yeah. using your weapon, yeah. which I like that because that's you know that's my gun, that's what I carry every single day. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I get to use my weapon, not some you know, blue gun with the laser on it or anything like that. That was very beneficial. And it, you know, it kind of taught me, wow, you have to be able to draw your pistol very quickly 
you know, very rarely are you going to be in the circumstance where you're in the gas station and you can be back by the corner and slowly pull out your gun. If you can't pull out your gun, do it calmly and be ready to go, then, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Do y'all do, do a lot of work with that, you know, like drawing your weapon from, from conce concealed and open carry? Uh, we do. So, you know, if I, if I talk about my the, the bare metal students, they're always going to start outside, you know, outside just to work mechanics. Yeah. Once... Once, an, once a student has a solid understanding of what those bare mechanics are, then we're, we're going to flip and say, okay, now we're going to begin working practical application because that's the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, not, we're not here to teach you how to shoot competitively. That's not our forte, yeah. right? Uh, we're not here to teach you how to be a bullseye shooter, though precision is requisite. Like that's something that you need to know how to do. Uh, we, are, we are solely you know, focused on those practical skills and absolutely being able to have a fast draw speed is a nest that is a necessary skill but you know like anything else there are boundaries and limitations you know so to say if you can draw you know draw and fire one shot within you know under a second and a half or better that's probably close You're to the boundary good. where you need to be any faster is you know maybe not not so necessary it's great to be able to do but yeah. you know getting people to those standards everything being standards based and measured you know very similar to what jake was talking about in the gym uh that we're not here just again teaching you random stuff uh, and giving you that theme park experience. Everything's going to be standardized. It's going to be measured and critically assessed. All right. We're That's talking awesome. with Atomic Athlete. We're talking with Jake. We're talking with um, Alex here. And uh, tell us about what they do and what they do uh, to you <laughs> out of the range. Uh, we come back. We're going to try to we're gonna ask him some tough questions here. And hopefully we won't go into Matt Best mode. Uh, this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Texas weather can change on a dime. Flash flooding is expected to begin shortly. When the weather turns severe, turn to us for what you need to know. On air and online at talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Catch up on the latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with Atomic Athlete. We're talking with Jake. And we're also talking with Alex. And they're breaking down on what they do, uh, you know, to get you to that next skill level. Uh, so go ahead, David. Yeah, well, you know, I was just before the break, I was asking about, you know, drawing your weapon, drawing your firearm. You know, if you do it from a seated position, a standing position, kneeling, you know, blah, blah, blah. And also... You know, working on mag exchanges, uh, that's very important. Uh, the live shoot scenario I did, three or four people actually had to change mags, and they did not do it very successfully because they okay, were Okay, now the funny thing out. about this is someone actually realized that you have new glasses. It's like, dang, David finally got his glasses fixed. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that's, I'm telling you, that's some good eyes right there. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. I appreciate that. They look the same to me. I just... Hey, man, these are expensive, dude. Are they, they, I'm telling you, they look the same. And I, I did not notice that at all. And I'm just like, how do you notice things like that? Okay. Hey, congratulations. You can notice that. <laughs> hardly anybody noticed. <laughs> My wife was like, you got the same type. And I'm like, 
No, these are different. These aren't the safety glasses. So they even noticed something that your wife didn't even notice. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing that's, what that's people see right on the video. Like, I, <laughs> I, know, right? I mean, I've like I've made videos on like how to do an exercise. Uh, that was an awesome video, man. And then I'll get like a comment being like, "Hey, what kind of shoes are you wearing?" And it's just like, <laughs> "What?" Like, <laughs> like, like of all the great <laughs> content I just put out, you're gonna ask me what kind of shoes I'm wearing? Like, hey, are those Lalos? It's like, oh god. Hey, what's that tattoo? Where'd you get that from? Yeah. <laughs> all right, good. Uh, I guess in regards to uh, one thing I want to kind of point out, and you kind of brought up a good point, is um, is differentiating the idea of how do I use my tool and then tactics. Yeah. Okay, so I think, you know, step one in anyone who buys a handgun, they need to learn how to use the tool first. And Very that's much. And that's why Alex, you know, he said, we always start outside the waistband. And then you can start building in more and more realism, scenario-driven type activities. So uh, you wouldn't want to put someone into a force-on-force scenario Right, if they don't know how to properly manipulate their handgun to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's kind of like if you can't do an overhead squat, I'm probably not gonna teach you how to do a snatch. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it, there's like these building steps as you move forward, and like fundamentally, the tool comes first. Yeah. I'm over here dying. Tool snatch. I'm just dying. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I just can't control myself. Because you just keep grabbing handfuls of nuts. <laughs> they do it. Oh man. Okay. Um. So. uh you're going to get yourself in trouble, man. That's what's going to happen. I know. Producer's like looking over here. He's like, ooh, that was close. <laughs> Shut the hell up, guys. Shut the hell up. I'm going to have to dump all this. <laughs> You're going to lose all that content, right? All right. So uh, <laughs> now we also have inside the studio, before we go back to our, our other guests here, we have uh, members of the Libertarian Party over here. Tell everyone uh, your name and, and what do you do? I'm, uh, I'm Eric Guerra. I'm the county chair of the Travis County Libertarian Party. All right, so Eric, uh, you guys going to do some good things this year at the Libertarian Party? Absolutely. Uh, we're gearing up for uh, election time. we got to get all of our candidates finalized and uh, get their paperwork in uh, before the close of the year here. and then. Uh, Are you guys going to finally get some precinct chairs over there at the Libertarian Party? We, you know, I'm putting the pressure on. We're really hoping to. We really want to. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, make that question. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Precinct chairs, Libertarian Party. What's up? Okay, go ahead. Over. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of where we're we're looking at right now. We just got done. Uh, there was a legislative session. Ryan was a big part of that. Um, so uh, we were able to get some good lobbying efforts going on there, and so uh, trying to roll kind of the momentum from 2016. Uh, into this midterm election because I think that'll be a big uh, step in. Are you guys going to make firearms, your, you know, one of your 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 legislative priorities? Are we going to have constitutional carry? We're going to talk about that. We were we were pushing for it hard. We were, uh, you know, we really wanted to see that go through. Because uh, I know you guys got a, a governor candidate there that his his big thing is constitutional carry, right? Yeah, Corey Watkins. He actually was just the uh, guest speaker at our last uh, business meeting. Um, he's really pushing uh, hard onto the constitutional carry and uh, expanding our gun rights um, here within the state of Texas. So uh, it's definitely something that uh, we'll be focusing on. Uh, yeah. I, I was at this I, event I, earlier I, today. I, I got to interject oh, here, Oh, go ahead, man. go ahead. Hold on. You, you said Corey Watkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, he has lots no, of, of lots of haters all no, of over the place. Good. He's, do, he's Dude, doing good. Okay. He's Dude, okay. Here's, here's, here's my thing on Corey Watkins. He's doing good. And I would never vote for him, and I'm libertarian. The reason I will not vote for him, period, Why? is simply because... He was putting on his Facebook post, if you like Trump in any way, shape, form, or fashion, if you support him in any shape, form, or fashion, then I'm unfriending you and you're a fascist. So I said, dude, what if you just support the president of the United States? And he said, you're a fascist to me and deleted me as a friend. I'm sorry, but if you can't have an intelligent conversation with me, then I'm not going to give you my vote. 
Because how are you going to talk to anybody about anything ever? I think I think he's he's kind of seeing the air in 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 some of that, and he's coming along, you know, pretty good. Okay, so, so he's not going to stick his foot in panic panic button Poncho's door anymore. No, 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 no. He's doing good. He's he's, doing, he's he, not harassing the cops. No, so he's doing twice good. Twice a week. People change. Can't hear you. People change. You have to think that people change. But See, this was like this was like two or three months ago two or three months that ago. that he was saying that I was a fascist and he deleted me as a friend on Facebook simply because I said that Trump was our president. Then if you have a problem with him, what you can do is become a delegate and don't vote for none of the above or whoever the other candidate is whenever it does come time for our convention. Are y'all having more than Watkins? No one has announced yet, so it's up to whoever wants to commit to that. If you don't want to, we provide the none of the above option, something we need to adopt in our general elections as well. And we're not going to agree on everything, every little aspect. Well, of, of course. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes you are a fascist. But anyway, so... Um... <laughs> I'm a fascist. You're insane, Mike. <laughs> hey, bring Antifa in. I'll cheat the hell out of them little bastards. Oh, man. All right, so... Uh... They're a joke. All right, so let's go, let's go back to uh, Atomic Athlete. So, um, is there something that you said? We're talking about constitutional carry. What are you guys? What's your thoughts on that? On constitutional carry, meaning that um, being able, anyone being able to carry a gun um, without a license. So, my take on that is, I said my take on that is totally, totally for it. But you know, where you have to be careful, and this is more a of a of a personal quality is. You have to be able to, again, like I was saying earlier, separate that ego from your your idea of why is it that you want to carry that weapon, right? You Do you have a family? I'm going to speak about myself because, you know, if I go back to the point in time where I really started ramping up how I approach, you know, the methodology and the reason behind why, you know, I do what I do, it's, you know, I care. I, I care about the people around me. I care about you know my fellow man. I'm I'm compassionate you know for my fellow man, and and so you know I said, all right, if this is if you if you say this is true, and I'm choosing to you know bolt this tool onto my body, right? It's just one tool. There's a there's a variety of ways that you can solve problems, and this is just you know the, f the firearm is just one of those. Well, if I'm making that conscious decision, then I also have to make the decision to say I have to be proficient to a level where not only can I you know, employ that tool for the protection of myself, but employ it in such a way that it's not going to harm anyone else, right? If if my skill level is so low and I choose to use that tool in a public setting, well, I may be actually putting everyone else in worse danger because I'm not going to be able to do what it is I think I want to do, right? Uh, so, you know, addressing that question, it's, yeah, totally cool with it. But again, from a personal perspective, you have to look at yourself and say, if you're making that choice, if you're making that decision, then you all have to, you have to respect the weight, you know, of the, of the thing that you're choosing to do, and that means going out and getting the appropriate training, testing yourself, and and knowing that again, when stressed, when you know, when stressed, when that event happens, because if you screw up, you're going to be responsible for that. Absolutely, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you know, every every citizen should be able to arm themselves. I mean, <clears throat> hundreds of years ago, is with swords, axes, whatever it may be. Now, the dilemma now comes into a projectile weapon like a handgun where, you know, you don't usually don't accidentally stab someone with a sword. You have to be in a close proximity with them, you know. But, like, now you have handguns that can discharge or rifles, even for that matter, can discharge projectiles at a large distance. And then 
So now there's a significant uh, responsibility placed on the user to be trained. You know, so personally, I think everyone should be allowed to carry a tool to protect themselves and their loved ones, right? But then as a accomplished shooter, I would say, I'm hesitant to let anyone walk around with a handgun and then when they see a problem present itself, try to deal with it because they may not be competent. So I'm kind of like on both sides of the fence there where, you know, in the United States, for example, you need a license to have a vehicle. And although from a accomplished shooter perspective, I like to see everyone have a minimal level of uh, ability with a handgun before they can carry a handgun. At the same time, it's their individual right to protect themselves with tools that... So you're kind of stuck between the I'm two. I'm kind of stuck between the two because right. bad guys don't care. They're just going to go grab a gun, right? And so now it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to battle with a sword and this guy's got a handgun, you know? And so it's unfair. So even if he's untrained, he still has the right to arm himself with at least the same type of tools that, you know, the criminals are using. So I'm, I'm very on the fence. I kind of have two perspectives on it. And, and I want to, you know, kind of build off what Jake just, just said there, and that's minimum standards, right? You know, like you were saying earlier, Mike, people look at the license to carry course. They take they take that course and they say, okay, now I'm enabled. I can, I can carry this tool. I passed the test. So that must mean that I'm ready, right? Uh, again, separate the ego from you know, from what you're doing, and look at yourself critically, right? If if stressed, I, actually, let's let's just ask ourselves the ba- basic question: okay. If something were were to go down, would I be would I want myself to be the guy coming to save 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 mm-hmm. me, right? That's that's what it boils. I mean, if we were to try to simplify that, the you know the the question, that's what it boils down to for me. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. What do you think? Constitutional carry all the way. <laughs> <laughs> man, a few words. <laughs> you know exactly. <laughs> man, a few words. All right, all right. So, uh, and now let's talk about um, the actual marksmanship aspects of it. You know, what do you do? you know, as far as the the trying to hone in on their skills, you know, get them before you get them to the point where you're ready to run and, you know, do run and gun mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because um, we get a lot of people, you know, you, you'll get someone, like you said, they don't even know how to hold the gun. Yeah. So how do you get them to that point? Uh, training. I mean, the, the, biggest, the, the biggest thing you can do right off the bat is, you know, find someone who is um, knowledgeable and... and I think, A, you know, credentials are important, right? But then again, just because you have a bunch of credentials does not really mean you know what you're talking about. So uh, training is the first step, I think, for anything, and familiarity with the tool. The the process to go from point A to point B, I mean, it's really interesting. Some people are just are naturally adept at picking things up very quickly. So I have a uh, one of my coaches at the gym. He's only shot a handgun a handful of times. Uh, and he did the running gun a few weeks ago. Uh, and he beat his dad, who is a Williamson County SWAT team leader, and he beat, I think, 30 other competitors out there. And that was with a really poor score because he miscounted his rounds in the first mm. one. So like an individual like that is just very athletic. He played college ho- uh, hockey and tennis. So, I mean, he can pick up a handgun, and he can probably move very quickly and put things on target. Uh, other shooters take months and months and months to get to a point where they're actually comfortable with utilizing that tool. And then... It's going to be a gradual increase to get to a point where you can actually move under stress. And we actually ran into some challenges the other day having that running gun because uh, we had one guy named, um, I'm not going to mention his name, he's a Travis County guy, but competitive shooter. I think he was a USPSA grandmaster. And he started giving us a lot of feedback in regards to safety. And it was real interesting because we've trained now on our own so long that a lot of the typical things you see in a you know, USPSA or IDPA match, we no longer do those. 
I mean, like we're we're training at private range. We are like running in a 360. A muzzle never crosses a person, but there are no there's no 180 rule. There's no this. There's no that. And so even just as ROs, it was challenging to enforce these things that. Uh, that we've been training out of. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the military because a lot of people uh, in the military, the majority of them did long guns. It's very rare to actually, you know, shoot a handgun. Yeah. So we're going to talk yeah. about that because <laughs> that, that's a big problem. Yeah. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. We know Austin traffic can be a challenge. Come on, I can drive and take you that gap. Put your foot on the gas and move it. Beat the commute with time saver traffic. Mornings and afternoons on Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so what I just learned uh, from Atomic Athlete is that I can put my AR in the in the passenger seat of my vehicle. <laughs> He's like, what? I didn't say that. Absolutely. Pass, passenger <laughs> and, seat. And put a wig over it. Well, you need, you need a mannequin head first. And I'm good and, in the HOV lane. Yeah. And What's your new product for the store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it's yeah, we're, yeah. We got and all all different styles. You know, okay. long hair, short hair, so, bald. You know, nice, nice. So a rifle in the front seat. You know, with a you know, okay, with a wig. Okay, yeah. we can do that. Call it the AR Lean. <laughs> the AR Lean. Okay, okay, I got you. All right, so uh, we're talking with uh, Atomic Athlete, and we're talking with Jake, and we're also talking to Alex. And I want to talk about the military because a lot of people in the military shoot long guns, but you get them out of the range with a handgun, and it's like, oh, whoa, stop what you're doing. Got to start over from scratch. So, uh, Jake, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I was just mentioning that break that uh, I remember at one point at a range, you know, our machine gunners used to carry, you know, the Beretta M9, 9 mil uh, handguns because they needed a backup firearm, you know, secondary system, machine gun goes down. And so most of us, like the team leaders, the riflemen, the guys who were more like the DA guys, uh, we would all just carry carbines, and that was it. And uh, I think now they've gone away from that. And most, actually, most guys we talked to, I guess it was pretty recently, they actually don't carry their sidearm on patrol because they don't want to carry the extra weight and have it rub it against their body the entire time. But nonetheless, uh, here we are, pretty experienced guys going out trying to shoot handguns on the range, and it was uh, a complete abomination. We, we couldn't hit anything with it. We didn't have the skills. We didn't know the manipulations. Um, granted, this was a little earlier. Uh, in the early 2000s, where now you have so much available. I mean, there's online training platforms. Guys like Mike Seeklander, you know, they have online training platforms. You know, Panteo, um, almost every reputable shooter, shooting instructor now who's kind of got a big audience, you know, they offer some sort of training online where you can get, you know, DVDs or join a membership. Now, where did you get your training from? Uh, Most of my initial training, I guess, structured, besides the military, was uh, Paul Howe. You know, out at CSAT. So we started following him, going out, doing his handgun, his rifle courses. We did private courses with him. Uh, then started taking more shooting classes. Can I learn how to do all this stuff on YouTube? Mm, <laughs> I would strongly recommend against it. The, you know, they're, they're, the, YouTube, it can be, it is what it is, right? You can get on there and find out how to change an auto part. Um, and you can probably get on there and find good examples of how to do a speed reload. Um, guys who are professional shooters, they put free content out there all the time. I'm just on trying. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to get to the end there. Can I just yeah. do an online course? I strongly suggest <laughs> just doing that. <laughs> I think you'd want to get out there and actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. You got to have a lot of computer screens if you're gonna do an online course. Right? Yeah. You yeah. shoot a lot of screens yeah. out, bro. <laughs> ah, damn it! New screen. 
Bah. Yeah, there's no substitution. You can't replicate what you experience on the range. No, right? the reason yeah. I say that is because a lot of a lot of people do that. They they say, you know, well, I'll just you know, I'll just YouTube it and you know, and and you know, watch the YouTube clip and and then you know, I'll know how to do that. No, I mean once I mean like dry fire practice, for example, builds a great foundation to when you go out on the range and actually shoot. But once the gun starts going off and making noise, a lot of things happen. You know, so a good example is myself and a lot of other shooters I shoot with. Uh, you can give us an empty handgun that we know it's empty in a, a safe environment, and we can draw it out really quickly and have a perfect, perfect trigger squeeze every time, like no flinch whatsoever. As soon as the unknown comes into play, then you start seeing the, the anticipation, you know, that shoulder pushing forward, gun diving down. And so the actual skill is not hard to actually master, but now you're mastering it under, you know, recoil and stress with not only the gun jumping in your hand, but the, the noise, the moving, all that needs to be ha done on the range. You can't just replicate that at home. All right, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, and so, something else that's unique to to being on the range, to being in a structured environment, is you can in, introduce uh, physiological and psychological stress. And you know, when I say something, when I say that, uh, it could be something as simple as having a target that has multiple colors, multiple shapes, and you know, let's say multiple numbers. And I tell you, okay, we we've been shooting one shot at just a target. Now we're gonna, I'm gonna, the beep's gonna go off. We're gonna shoot, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, a color, a shape, a number to shoot. And all of a sudden, because that person has to think about something, you know, they have to think about something new, the performance just goes out the window, right? Uh, you introduce something like competitive stress where you say, I'm going to hold you to a time standard. You know, everyone wants to, everyone wants to perform. Everyone wants to win you know, for the most part. Like this is just, you know, something that's built into us. It's very primal. Uh, performance will go out the window, right? So there's all these, all these modes by which you can stress yourself or be stressed, uh, to again test your performance under various conditions, it's very unique to live fire to being on the range. Mm. Um, but again, reiterating like Jake said, dry fire is also wholly important. But these are all components of creating yourself to be a better shooter. Now, which, so, what, so Mike, in other words, only look for field strip cleaning on YouTube. No other <laughs> shooting exercises. Just how to clean your guns on YouTube. That's it, man. Okay. Okay. You good with that? I'm good. All right. Thank you. Now that I know that, I'll be able to go forth. <laughs> you so, can't get to the end just by YouTube. I can't. Okay. So I actually have to go and do this stuff. Got to go yes. sweat, man. I, oh, yeah. Got to get out there. <laughs> I got to go, go sweat. sweat. Yeah. Okay. Hey, can you wear the red shirt, though? Can wear the red shirt. All right. Totally. See, look, at least I got your back with your red shirt, man. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I guess I'll have to go do it then. All right. So tell me, what's your, your carry gun of choice? Uh, go ahead. So currently, mm -hmm. I'm carrying the Beretta PX4 Compact Carry. Uh, not a Glock 19? No, not a Glock. Um, I got a Glock 19. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why do you carry a Glock? You know, that was actually the gun I learned on, and I've just kind of got to a point of proficiency, and I have, I have no problems with it. And for me, it's super reliable. Um, it's comfortable. It's a, a good midsize where you can conceal it, but it's also I carried a 43 for a mm -hmm. while. I got to a point when I started shooting shooting assessments that I was so much slower with that firearm that it's like, well, if I'm gonna go to the game or participate in the game, then I want to go with the best tool possible, or at least at least a tool that is not going to hinder my performance by something like five or six seconds on a five by five challenge. So that's why I went the 19. And that's the single stack nine. No, no, the uh, single stack is the 43, the small compact one. The 19 is the uh, the midsize. And then you're saying about yours. Uh, the Beretta PX4, the compact carry variant, you know, really it's a, it's familiar to me, the grip angle, I just point it very naturally, and again, it, you know, like the Glock, 
it's built to a very high reliability standard, right? It's not the most, I mean, it's a highly accurate tool, but it's not designed to be like competitive, you know, hyper performance competitively accurate. It's just designed to work. Uh, like the Glock, you know, Brett engineers the majority of their tools to just work every single time that they need to work. Uh, and that's, you know, the most important thing to me as a, as a carry tool, right, is that when it, if and when I do need it, that I don't have to worry about that trigger going off and something not happening, right, the action not happening. Now let's talk about if you do need it. So if you do need that gun, you know, have you actually had the opportunity of someone actually calling you and saying, hey, you know, Jake, man, you know, I, I, I had to use my gun you know, you know, what do I do now? You know, you ever, you ever get to that point yet? I've not gotten to that point. Okay. Yeah. Just wait. Oh man. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you're, because you, you're good at what you do <laughs> and it's only a matter of time before someone uses that yeah. skill, yeah. you know, and then, then what? And they need to call their lawyer before. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, call him first, not me. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I tell you, cause I, I mean, I tell you, I get that a lot. I, I swear every single week now, it's uh, on the regular basis. Someone will call me after they've, you know, they've done something. Something has happened, and they say, "What do I do now?" Yeah. I'm like, "Did you get Texas law shield when you're in class?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. If not, then you're screwed. <laughs> well, and, and again, that crosses, you know, crosses the same box of, again, you're you're carrying the tool because you're wanting to do a specific thing, and that's you know, employ your own protection. Have you also planned for that eventuality for when you do have to use yeah. it, which is you know something like that. Texas Law Shield, U.S. Law Shield, where you're employing subject matter experts who are going to come to your defense because, again, you've, as a lawful citizen, have hopefully used that tool for you know, the protection of yourself. You were in a life-threatening situation. There were no other options, right? And uh, you had to do what you did. So did you plan for after that happens? And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? And you took, yeah, you took your class at, at Central Texas Government. Yeah, I sure did. Yep. Right. Now, let's go back to your military experience, you know, uh, Tell me, uh, uh, once again, you know, some of the places that you were stationed, were you in the military? Uh, I was stationed at Fort Benning actually the entire time. Hold, okay. Yeah, because uh, yeah, as the infantryman, guy, you go to basic there, you go to airborne there. Right, right. You go through the ranger indoctrination program. And you went, and, and then I, you went to second, third bat. Third bat, which third is bat. at Fort Benning. Okay. Was, yeah, that was my least, that was not, not so what you, I wanted to happen. So but, you're a battalion, yeah. you weren't. Well, I was at battalion, and then I finished up at regiment. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so you guys got deployed, you guys went back and forth to like, uh, you know, South America and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, most of our training was either stateside, went to Africa, Germany, other places like that, and then obviously after 9-11. Because uh, when I was there, they were going back and forth to South America like late at night. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they were they, in and out, you it's, know? I mean, it, it depending on operational tempo, what's going right. on in the world, it always going to dictate what's going on. You know, so we were actually on RF-1 when 9-11 happened, so we were like packing bags that night, and we left about a week or two later. You ever want to become a ranger instructor? Uh, no. So I was part of the actual... Uh, ranger battalion and uh -huh. then rtb runs that so i have guys that, that i've worked with now or worked with in the past who are now part of rtb right. but the operational lifestyle was what i liked you know so at, if i would have stayed in longer i probably would have gone into instruction at some point right, right but at that time period of my life i wanted to be operational yeah because i was i was in some of the best shape of my life right there because i actually lived like right you know in the same barracks they you know were real close by mm -hmm. and so you know i was in like the best shape of my life then now i'm just done now so, <laughs> hey well i, I know a guy <laughs> you know a guy <laughs> well you know i'm getting there i'm getting there you know it, little by little little uh, yeah something like that yeah i'm getting there all right so um hey we got another guy here from the libertarian party go ahead and step up to the mic so what's going on with libertarians so libertarians are starting to switch over to campaign season there's a big push right now for 
certain calls, such as constitutional carry and marijuana, those are always big. Marijuana? Yes. Are we trying to pass weed in Texas? What, the Why first are you trying to legalize weed? That's going to make people. Do it. That's going to make people lazy. There's a lot of reasons. One is one of the biggest <laughs> is all about you know cancer patients or children who have you know neurological disorders and a variety of problems and that don't, marijuana don't call me. Don't send me any little hate messages. I'm only joking. <laughs> and so that's a big part of it. And another is just it's a zero sum game. It's coming. It's going to come eventually. The longer we wait, the more those businesses develop in other states and not in Texas. I think it's good to go ahead and legalize weed because that'll give us an opportunity to uh, get rid of some of these other silly taxes that we're you know charging people for. Maybe we can get rid of you know or lower property taxes or something like that if we actually legalize weed and tax weed. It also reduces alcohol consumption when it's legalized. Uh, now I'm still drinking. Have <laughs> <laughs> <As> populace. Because <laughs> uh, I, I like smoking. I don't. I don't like the way. That's a downer. See, I don't like going down. Uh, Alcohol. Alcohol is a downer. It's a downer that makes me feel good. It's a better. It's a downer that makes me feel really good. Yeah. What are you gonna say? Because you're leaning toward the mic. Just thinking how much how much lazier criminals would be if they're high all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Legally high. Yeah. yeah well, know uh, what you're doing. It's it's working out for Colorado. I mean, you know, well, Colorado's got so much money. You don't know. It's it's a bigger it. deal for Texas, too, because you want to talk about, you know, our issues with Mexico. How do you take out the cartels? You cut off the revenue stream. And so that's what it will allow to happen. It will fix Mexico's problems, which will reduce our um, undocumented immigration problems. And it will reduce smuggling routes, all kinds of issues which need to be addressed. And Texas as a border state has to address those. And uh, someone was talking about uh, Jeff Cooper's situation awareness color codes. Uh, so when we come back, I'm going to Google that because I don't know what you're talking about, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to Google that and figure out what you're talking about there, and uh, we'll have an answer for you. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. <laughs> All right, we get knocked down, but we get back up again. Somehow, we'll get that video back going one more time. That's great. <laughs> if you actually watch it on the live feed, it's real. I get knocked down. There goes the video. And Good job, Zach. We're proud of you. <laughs> All right, so we're talking with Atomic Athlete. We're talking with Jake Signs. Am I saying your last name right? Yep. All right. And Jake is the owner and coach of Atomic Athlete. He's talking about all the different things they do there. So what, what are some of the prices of your courses? Oh, it's going to range depending on what you want to do. It's uh, such a diverse offering that we have. Everything from the Vanguard's a two-day or actually three-day, two-night, super intensive weekend that involves, you know, firearms, combatives, small game, butchery, obstacle courses, all that kind of stuff, to in-gym training, to um, you know, courses like we offer through the Atomic Legion, which is more of the shooting-specific type training that we do. And you're, you're saying Atomic Legion. Is that like yeah. a different... 
it's kind of like you know it's it's like a branch off the main branch. Okay. So the gym the gym kind of focuses on the physical portion. Then the atomic, atomic legion comes in and it talks about the firearms. It's the firearms, the hand to hand, the medical skills, all that stuff. Like the what do you guys do as far as medical skills? Let's talk about that. Uh, well, the other owner in the company is uh, Williamson County Tac Medic, so he deploys a lot with DPS SWAT and all that. And so basically uh, everything from tra mostly trauma management. Uh, if you're at the range, something goes down, what are you going to actually do there? You know, do you have the proper equipment with you? Do you have the proper skills to you know, stop that blood loss? Um, yeah, I'm like 911. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stand by the street, wait for him to come. I'm out at this guy's property. I don't know where we're at. You know, it's like, yeah. So it's um, the medical portion is big. Obviously, he has more, you know, rudimentary things, you know, like CPR, stuff like that. But the big thing is on trauma management because most any type of medical emergency, uh, unless it's, you know, stroke, heart attack, something like that nature, uh, a broken arm, a broken leg. I mean, a splinting and all that is like, hey, they're, they're not going to go. They'll be fine. Like, yeah, they're going to be in pain, but you call an ambulance, get them to the hospital get him taken care of. It's more the immediate issues that we want to take care of, and especially in a younger population like ourselves, most likely it's going to be trauma. Mm. Right? So they have that gunshot wound to the thigh, well, and hopefully it's not a femoral artery, um, but getting that hole plugged up, keeping the blood inside of him, and then get him transported to a facility that's appropriate. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's you know one of my biggest fears is someone actually accidentally shooting himself at the range or something like that. Well, we, you know, I think we do a good job of you know being safe. They're, they're, Range safety officers yeah. always do a great job, but you're right. You have to be prepared, you know, in case something like that does happen, because uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, so. stuff happens. Even at the running gun the other day, I heard someone say, Jake, and I look over, and he's got just blood coming off his face. Mm. And he has got hit by a piece of either jacket or, or slag, and it was just a little small nick, and it was bleeding, but um, stuff can happen. I mean, you're out right. there, you know, running and gunning or ricochets. training, ricochets. Um, and then take know. take the skill off the range, right? Um, yeah. When... Again, when we look at all these things that people want to be really good at, like we we want to be really good at these skills with these tools because it makes us feel like ninja. I call it ninja. Like people just love <laughs> yeah, skills man. that they you know tactical. They can be like you know ninja like with, but you know in the grand scheme of things, if we look at our life and the things that we we may have to you know the skills that we may have to use, medical is probably one of those. And you're you're more than you're probably gonna have, be in an opportunity where knowing medical you know actual medical skill may help you or someone else around you roll up on a you know on a vehicle on a vehicle accident with severe trauma like do you do you know even what the first step would be into you know stabilizing the situation if there you know are steps that you should take uh so again you know the purpose of atomic legion is not just it's not just shooting it's not just fighting it's it's you know everything kind of centered around being a you know a better you for not only yourself but also for the people around you the tribe around you it's, it's being an asset not yeah. being a liability mm, yeah. you know and that comes to everything like fitness you're backcountry in the mountains right and you're the guy who's not trained for it and bad weather rolls in someone gets hurt you got to get them out of there are you going to be an asset to that situation or are you going to be a liability now what are some of the craziest things that you see people just like totally freak out like Ugh. What, at the range or Just you mean period. like in the gym yeah um the biggest thing we see is like disappointment in themselves because really? uh, the ego gets in the way they think they're they're better than they are oh. and um, oh i know i suck so yeah I'm yeah it's it. i mean like all you need to do is i mean you can testify to this like go into a brazilian jiu-jitsu academy and like you will question your manhood because there will be guys oh, yeah. in there that you will <laughs> never think like you wouldn't think twice about like grabbing a hold of their collar and trying to put them in check <laughs> right but and they I will mean, slam you oh, down and is, make you pay <laughs> yes like i do not judge a book by its cover at all anymore you know i mean there's a few telltale signs you can probably tell like the ears stuff like that but like, it doesn't matter how skinny you are, how mm. frail you look, um, your ethnicity, your height, your weight. Like, I do not judge people by looks because I've been wrapped up by too many dudes who I would <laughs> never think twice could, could even hold their own, much mm -hmm. less, like, you know, I'm a pretty fit guy, I would say. 
and uh, fold me up and put me in their pocket. You know, it's just it's embarrassing. So I think uh, humility is something that you should seek in Absolutely. training. Uh, go out. Don't be the guy who's like, I'm the strongest guy on my crew. I'm, I'm like the best wrestler on my crew. Like I punk out all my friends. Like you should go to the place where you're going to get punked out and you can actually get a reality check. And that's, where, like. that's where they say A's like A's and B's like C's. Mm-hmm. You know, at the boxing gym, you'd see the new guy come in and he'd hit the bag for a month and he's all muscly. I'm next world champ. He gets in the first day of sparring and <laughs> punch him right in the nose and he's, oh, okay. I quit, man. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. never see him again. Uh, no shot hurts. You know, that's, that, that's, the, that's the guy that goes back home and beats up his neighbors and yeah. the little kids and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's a B. He likes C's. A's like A's. I always tried to spar with the pros so they would beat the snot out of me. Yeah. When the fight came, it was easy, but training was hard. <sighs> So. Those reality these, checks are important. Yeah. All of the yeah. videos you see Very of those humbling. guys fighting on YouTube, like, like, and once you start training a little bit, you look at that, you're like, those guys have no business being in a fight. Like, they, have, <laughs> they, they like, have no clue what they're doing. They had no business, mm-hmm. like, entering a physical altercation with another grown man. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. When, when I first started boxing, uh, I got in with a pro, and his name was Josue, and uh, I hit him a few times. He looks at me and goes, dude, stop hitting me so hard. I said, oh, what are you talking about, man? I'm just trying to hit you. And I hit him again, and he threw the hardest shot I've ever been hit. He cracked my rib. <laughs> cracked my rib my first spar, and I was like, God dang, man. So, you know, that's humbling when you can have some little 130-pound dude crack your rib when you're 152 pounds. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, wow, okay. I, I can't beat everybody up. It's rather intelligent. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's why I just carry a gun. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm only joking. I had to go for that. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie. No, we got all these listeners, and they know you. <laughs> well, even I think along those lines, something that we're, we're really going to start exploring with some of the assets that we have um, is like the whole uh, uh, gun grappling, right? So it's it's easy to say like, yeah, cool, man. Like I can get my handgun out in one and a half seconds. Like mm. Pistol retention. Yeah. Like what do you what do you do when the guy is face to face with you? Mm. Like there's no way you can get your gun out. You know, most of us have done some variation of a toolie drill right. where he runs at you with a knife and all mm-hmm. that. But I mean, like if he's close enough to touch you, you're not getting your gun out fast enough. No. You know, and there's no way. So then it's like, then okay, like do I enter you know this combative engagement with this individual? Do I just kind of back down? Like hey, like, no big deal, man. Like I'm just gonna leave. You know. And then if he does go to the ground, like, how and when do you draw your gun? Mm. You know, and a lot is going to determine on your position, uh, where he's at in regards to, you know, if you fall on your back and you're reaching like this into your waistband, he sees it. I mean, he can grab the gun as well, right. you know? And like, right. I think Mike Sieglander has a great video. I think it was American Warrior Society where uh, one of the guys that he trains with, like, does that. Like, you know, he goes outside. It's a whole kind of, like, scenario. Guy's trying to get into his car. And he draws the gun at the wrong moment, and the guy simply grabs the gun and shoots him with his own gun. Mm. And that's a very realistic situation. Unless you train that situation, the time to do that is not the time when it matters. Mm. You know, how many of us, let's, let's, does everyone here carry guns? No. No? Do you guys carry guns? No? Mm-hmm. Yeah? I mean, have any of us, you know, actually gone into a grappling situation with a gun and see if we could actually get it out mm-hmm. in time mm-hmm. and nope. not get it taken away from us? Right. You know? So stuff like that, moving, like once you master the tool, now let's start moving into the scenarios. Let's moving into yeah. like, okay, what what is a potential you know situation going to look like? I'm seated, I'm sitting here at a table. Someone walks up to me and starts like picking a fight with me. You know, like am I going to slide my chair back? Am I going to stand up? Are my hands yes, out in front exactly. of me? Like all of these different things are going to happen. It's not going to be on a range when you're looking at a target like you know ten or fifteen yards. And you're like, beep, and you're going to draw a <laughs> handgun, right? Right, you know? right. So I think it's really important to. You know, regardless of how good you are with a tool, you can be a grandmaster, right? 
But until you've actually taken that and started putting it in a combative application, then once again, you might want to check the ego. Yeah. And I, I, I remember that when I was sitting this morning at the uh, Jewish Community Center and I had a, one of the ladies there from Texas Gun Sense and she was actually saying something similar to that. And I was like, man, it's like this lady's right now, right now. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say something else that's totally, <laughs> <laughs> she's totally right right now. But you know what? I'm just not going to give yeah. her the benefit of the doubt, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely correct. But that's where you also have to have intelligence. Right. And know when you're being beaten at right. that point. And you know, if you pull, you lose sometimes. Sometimes well, it's that- better not to. I mean, doing the pistol retention courses that I've done, I mean, if the dude is way far away from you and he's holding you up at gunpoint, you're not going to steal that gun from him. Right. If you take one step forward, he's going to blast you. But if he's right next to you, you can use speed as your advantage. You have to have the situational awareness that they were talking about to not die. And that's the mm-hmm. overarching theme theme here. It's, it's mindset. All these skills are connected by mindset. How are you thinking? How are you critically approaching the problem? Are, have you thought through the different scenarios and where that's going to put you positionally, right? Like, what is what are the out, possible outcomes of those scenarios? But, again, having... The, the ability to think through the problem, right? There is, an, and knowing that there isn't just one way to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the way that you may be thinking of could very well put you in worse danger, right? In a very exactly. few seconds, how do we find Atomic Athlete online? You can just uh, go to atomic-athlete.com and then there's also atomiclegion.com. Are you guys on Facebook? Uh, are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. At Atomic Athlete is Instagram. And then Facebook, you'll find us just by typing in Atomic Athlete. All right, ladies, check out those those Instagram pictures. I'm telling you, you got some stuff to see there. <laughs> so definitely check those out. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's let's come together as a country. Let's come together as one. Remember, you know, you got people in the government that are actually violating your rights. Those are the people you need to focus on. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.